everybody, and welcome to Devil Details. Thanks for listening. My name is Sarah. And I'm Kristen. And we're so excited to be back with our first episode. It's exciting. Our first post-Blackbird episode. It's been a while. Yeah, we have to kind of get used to things again and figure out what we're doing. So hopefully this goes well. (laughs) We were in a groove, yeah. (laughs) But we needed a break. We needed a little break to recover. Yeah, and just kind of figure out what we were going to (laughs) do. And to process everything that happened. Yeah, we had a really big summer of (laughs) of Blackbird stuff. It went further than we ever thought. It did. So we needed to calm down from that and we needed to figure out uh, what the next steps were. And I think we've got it figured out. I think think we're on our way. And uh, this episode we are incredibly excited about. We we just had to start with a movie that we both really love and have such a deep connection to personally, Mm -hmm. as well as it has such an obvious connection to Blackbird, which is a really uh, easy transition for us. (laughs) <laughs> uh, to get into. So, obviously, you know by the title of the episode, we are talking about Rocket Man. So, Rocket Man, uh, the 2019 movie that is based on Elton John's life. Um, it's a musical fantasy biopic about Elton John. His life up until the 90s. Yeah, right. Mid-90s? I think Early even 90s. before that. It was yeah. mo- it's mostly like his childhood and then it kind of goes into like the 80s. Yeah. It was before Lion King, before all of that. Right, yeah. <laughs> so like there is sequel potential here. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think because Elton John has led quite a life even after all the uh, happenings yeah. of Rocket Man. Gosh, that could be a whole two more movies. Honestly, yeah. So, um, but I think we should talk about that later too. uh, (laughs) But first, uh, probably the most exciting thing about this episode for us is that we got a chance to chat with Michael L. Roberts, Mm -hmm. uh, who was just a delightful human being. So interesting too. Yeah, and he gave us a lot of cool insight about his part in making the movie so michael l roberts was the uh piano and vocal coach for rocket man so he started out um as just uh as being there to help taryn with playing the piano and he was like the onset piano coach and he also helped everybody yeah all of the singing parts in the movie uh he was there to help them along and he did an amazing amazing job Mm -hmm. and he has a lot of cool things too talk about with us and not just rocket man related there was some cool information like other stuff that he's done or will is working on right yes so without further ado here is our little interview with michael l roberts hello it's so good to see you you too how are we doing fantastic how are you i'm all right thank you all good good some Thanks for joining us. Here. Lovely to meet you both. Yes, you nice as well. You, you said you're in a hotel. So if you don't mind us asking, what, what project are you working on that has brought you to this hotel? Uh, absolutely. Uh, there's a few elements of my uh, public speaking company, Cinespeak, that I'm working on this week. 
Um, and last week I uh, did my first jazz gig for a long time in the uh, in the mix of adventures. So fun, very so, cool. Yeah, just sticking around in London for a bit. <laughs> very good. So, are you you're in Wales normally? Is that right? Uh, no, kind of or... all over really. So, so between London and um, uh, Yorkshire and various places. So, yeah, north of England. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I'm from well, we. Yeah. You're from Wales. Okay, that's that's where that came from. <laughs> so we're very excited to talk to you about all yes. things uh, Rocket Man. A lot of our listenership came from being fans of Taron Edgerton originally. So I think uh, a lot of people are going to be excited to uh, to hear about it. So. I guess to start with, can you just tell us how you came to be involved in that project and kind of where that started for you? Absolutely, yes. So as a result of, at that point, I think having been in London around 15 years, then uh, you get your kind of music industry connections, as it were. And uh, one of uh, Giles Martin's team at Abbey Road uh, was aware of me. So when the call first came out initially on the piano front, then it was uh, a question of uh, me getting the shout, as it were. Oh, right on. And then, so it started off with being like the sort of vocal and piano coach for Taryn Edgerton, right? But then that sort of developed into being more than that, like for kind of the whole cast, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. So uh, as new cast members signed on, then we, uh, then essentially I'd start working with them. Uh, and then when we got to the the shoot, then uh, I would be essentially onset music director and onset pianist. So uh, playing, I'm playing on a keyboard off screen into Taryn's ear if it's a piano thing or into uh, Kit Connors or uh, Matthew Ilsley's ear. Um, and then, uh, yeah, fine tuning all of the piano and vocal stuff from there. Right That's on. so cool. <laughs> For all the Eltons. It's cool how that works. <laughs> yes, yes. All the Eltons and beyond. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Because yeah, then it developed into like, because I know that you worked with, with everyone on, you worked with Jamie Bell and with Richard yeah. Madden. That's right. Yeah. So how is it working with folk? Because I know that Taryn has like, or he had sort of like a musical background, but others in the cast didn't. So how was it working with Taryn versus working with everyone who you had to like, help a little bit more, I think. Start from ground zero, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the beauty with actors in this case, when it comes to music, is that it's not so much that zero starting point, because they're transferable skills in terms of their voice as an instrument, as a tool of their creativity uh, is obviously already very much uh, developed and, uh, and in use. So my policy always is that I'm not really, in the early stages, I'm not really introducing any new information or techniques into the, uh, into the actor's remit. It's rather a case of you have this set of skills, this is the song, this is where we're going to take this, and so we're going to find ways to build bridges between that which you're already capable of in terms of your uh, technique and otherwise, and uh, uh, essentially walk us down that path towards uh, the end goal. Interesting. So was it, is it maybe harder for someone who already has like a musical background to kind of coach them the way you want them to go versus someone who you can kind of shape in that direction? There's, there is a comical argument in this, in this regard where some, like if you know one thing, it's more difficult than if you know, no thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> because the minute, the minute we, attach these kind of, uh, you know, cultural expectations and and or pieces of melodic, harmonic performance knowledge, suddenly you've got something that needs to be uh, uh, turned, as it were, in order to catch the uh, catch the light that is, is desired from the production. So it's, uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes from scratch can be really, really kind of a, 
uh, a straightforward process. Um, and and I say a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Uh, so other times it's, you know, obviously in Taryn's case, all of that musical knowledge meant that, you know, he was coming to the table really with a very much a, a visual and a, a sound sense of what it was that he was after with Elton's blessing and and kind of stylistic instruction in that regard. So, uh, yeah, that that was that was there. And then within the context of the rest of the characters, if you think about it, they're not really they weren't all singing, all dancing characters in real life. Therefore, there's that's where you get that kind of true fantasy element coming in. Mm-hmm. So with uh, uh, Bernie and John Reed, Jamie Bell and Richard Madden, there was more of that element of, uh, you know, we're kind of crafting a crafting a way into this where for them, they're remaining true to those to the real people. Uh, but but the, so that the fantasy performance as it was, as it was doesn't detract from that doesn't detract from the character and their natural dramatic arc through the through the story uh but at the same time is both at once effortless in terms of shifting from drama to song but but also that is lifted by that song in a way that uh, uh, matches the elton energy throughout yeah that i mean that's that's why rocket men was so amazing <laughs> right, right? with that just how they how they fed all that together it was it's seamless. It's such yeah. a good film. Obviously, Chris and I are both are huge fans of the yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, obviously, an enormous, enormous amount of that crafting uh, comes down in situ and before to Dexter Fletcher, the director. Yes, uh, and and one of the one of the things I I used to say in press press sittings about it was that when I first read the script, to an extent, I was surprised by how much warmth was in there how much of that kind of family element and and those you know uh key familial uh importance and otherwise and the importance of the lack of it uh so as we as we went through that it became very clear the so much of that warmth was coming from direct uh, dexter's direction yeah for sure um i was obviously elton is an iconic musician everyone knows his music has memories attached to his songs and everything. Was it a different type of pressure to work with actual, the actual artists still around mm-hmm. as opposed to fictional uh, singer or something that was more made up just for the movie? Sure. Yeah. Great question. The, for Taron, then uh, not to speak for him, but just in terms of the experience that we had together, then obviously that, <laughs> that being in existence, being in uh, in immediate immediate proximity to him, as it were, was was very much a uh, an interesting aspect of how he was going to play the character. And so that that notion I referenced earlier of uh, uh, Elton's blessing, as it were, for him to find himself within that, so that in the in the prototypical actor's way, you're not doing an impersonation of the character. You're trying to make space within your own uh, artistic approach, as it were, for that character to essentially inhabit you. And then come out on screen. So within that process, there are elements of you as well as elements of that character. Uh, he was. Uh, we were all very fortunate in terms of Elton's uh, uh, input to the project. And uh, one of my my favorite things to reference in terms of this question uh, is that to me it seemed important that for all that uh, we we've all heard at this point. I mean that we we started shooting in 2018. So for all of the music that we'd all heard by by 2018. When Elton was was 
writing your song with Bernie Taupin and otherwise he hadn't heard those subsequent, you know, decades of music. And so as a result, I made it a thing where we were only allowed, as it were, to listen to music that Elton would have been listening to and Bernie would have been listening to before writing those songs. So we kind of like took ourselves out of time a little bit in that regard in order to just immerse ourselves in that music. And so uh, I remember being on a gig and getting a, a, a photo on the phone from Taryn, who was at Elton's place. Uh, and Elton had laid out some uh, vinyl records on the bed to say, this is what I was listening to just before we did that. And this is what I was listening to just before we did that. So, um, so it was a, you know, exclusive. That's cool. Exclusive insight into, into that uh, uh, element. And therefore, never a sense of um, that we were sort of having to answer to anybody. You know, Elton was very much with Taryn all the way. And uh, so it was just a case of uh, enjoying that and uh, giving Taryn enough space to find find the character therein. Yeah, right. And it seems like on top of that, Elton was very much like he gave musical creativity away for it. And he was like, do whatever you want with the music and, you know, reinvent it, rearrange things and, and really make it special just specifically for the movie, which... I mean, Giles Martin and, and everyone who were uh, involved in that musical process definitely took that and ran with it. So it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a shout out to Adam yeah. Murray as well, um, who was the choreographer, uh, who was oh, very yes. involved in those early settings with Giles as to where the mm -hmm. kind of the big production numbers were going to go. You know, I think uh, uh, Saturday nights and all of the all of those elements. So, yeah. Yeah, that Saturday night is my just my favorite. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's one of my favorite it's kind scenes. of where you feel. <laughs> That whole like thing. oh this is definitely a movie about Elton John like you can just feel it mm -hmm. um, you feel like and you yeah. see the transformation from Kit Connors Elton to Terrence Elton right there and yeah. you're like oh this is and it's very like just the vibes are very Elton but it's the music is very original too at the mm -hmm. same time so it's very cool I would agree mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well so I guess going off of that are there were there any favorite numbers that you were involved in or like what what was your favorite song of the movie that you sure yeah you've got really you've got the two the two biggest biggest set pieces that from day one uh dexter's first words to me were essentially these two <laughs> you know we've got to elevate them <laughs> beyond beyond everything uh uh in terms of uh you know, allowing them to become their own iconic moments uh, were, of course, Crocodile Rock and uh, Your Song. So the 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 set of the the, the reimagined set of the Troubadour uh, where we were shooting there was was just just glorious. Um, and uh, the amount of practical effort and practice and stylistic crafting and everything else that went into the crocodile rock scene was was pretty insane so you know so yeah. many uh so many uh so many elements to consider plus hanging from wires plus you know, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah just out of this world <laughs> like, uh, adjusting the piano arrangements so that so that when he's you know when he's uh, uh levitating as it were that he can, he's still actually playing what you're hearing you know it's, 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 <laughs> It's like he's okay. Well, he's gonna well, wait through both of his hands. Therefore, he's gonna be holding a G major chord, but you know, it's like <laughs> able to balance on a G major chord. You know, etc. etc. So it, little things like that that uh, were great fun to obsess over. Um, and uh, yeah, and and we we spent a lot of time together uh, going through videos of uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and uh, um, uh, Little Richard and uh, James Brown and all that kind of stuff. You know, informing informing various performative elements, uh, both you know, as a as a vocalist and and a pianist um so yeah that's that's a uh, very much crocodile rock uh which i can go into 
to, <laughs> without end, if you want. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> and then, and then your song, because what was great about that? I had a lovely day with Dexter where we were just working out. I had like the voice memo. I think I've still got the voice memo on my phone somewhere where we were just working out like how is he going to work this out pianistically, but within within a time frame. So like as he's picking out the ideas. You know, but within within a time frame that suits suits the screen, as it were, then uh, you know how are we getting from from not uh, uh, to hundred in that regard? Um, and so, yeah, it was just just a lovely process, kind of working out where you'd be playing with those elements and uh, things like it. You know, this feeling in G, you know, just the, the yes. little things, just to just to kind of be working through it. You know, it was a lot of fun to uh, uh, to pick out. And then another interesting thing with that Your Song moment is that, of course, you've got Jamie playing Bernie at the door, as it were. And uh, and he, in order to inform his performance, he wanted as much emotion from what I was playing, you know, in, in both of their earpieces, whilst whilst uh, Taryn is picking out the, the piano part, as it were. So so it was kind of twofold of, of we worked everything out with Taryn and then trying to put in little elements that would that would help uh, Jamie as Bernie to really respond to, uh, you know, really respond to the emotion of the moment that this is, you know, this is a turning point and, uh, you know, um, is going to, uh, as such, change the course of their lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting. Too. Super interesting to hear about. Cause yeah, that is such a huge sort of like turning point in the mm -hmm. whole story. And I don't know, I like hearing that there's, there was a lot of thought put behind the whole like emotion of that moment. Um, because it, it was just beautiful. Yeah, watching as a viewer, you feel that emotion. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> all, all credit to those on screen and to Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, and you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks. So, <laughs> so were there any sort of moments or songs that you wish had a bigger like view in the movie that maybe got cut or um, got kind of set aside that you wish kind of had more added to it <laughs> i i think honestly i whilst whilst inevitably in all in all film that there you know every film there's there's another you know at least another hour of hour of material you know uh screenplay and musical ideas and otherwise that that uh end up on the cutting room floor as ever the uh the thing about the, the sort of composition of that film is that it, it doesn't in 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 a glorious way it doesn't let up it, it keeps keeps that um uh, momentum going throughout and and so so no uh you never know when you're making it especially because as ever you're shooting things out of order mm -hmm. so you, 
you, you, it's always difficult to get the narrative sense other than this is really important. This is really important. Now this is really important. You know? <laughs> so you, you know, uh, you're, you're kind of, you're shifting from proactive preparation with the actors to then reactive to, to the moment and what it ends up actually feeling like on the day compared to how you've imagined it in rehearsal, you know? Um, so the, and, and one of the great things about Rocket Man was there was a, so much rehearsal time. And so we, you know, we really got to, uh, like with the detail of the emotion of your song, we really got to dig into that, uh, uh, you know, in in uh, all the way down to the devil's detail, if you will, in order to <laughs> <laughs> in order to bring it bring it to maximum um, uh, imagination and fruition. So, uh, yeah, so no, I can honestly say that the uh, you know the, the beauty of seeing the end product for the first time uh, at the uh, at the premiere was was that. Wow, that was in the same way as as Dexter wanted that effortless, seamless transition from drama to music. Also, the screenplay found that rhythm and uh, and is uh, seamless to the end. In my in my humbly biased opinion, <laughs> <laughs> us too. On, on that same note, was there a song that you wish that it's like a song that you love of Elton's? Wish was in the film that you could have worked on. We it, just a selfish reason. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the in the grand scheme of uh, being from. South Wales. Then, in 1997, when uh, uh, Princess Diana passed, then uh, obviously the the, uh, uh, the 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 reimagining of Candle in the Wind was was a you know was a was a prominent kind of a musical and cultural moment uh, in in that year. Uh, to me, certainly to me, as as at the time I was playing a lot of Elton playing and singing a lot of Elton's uh, songs around gigs and things in the South Wales Valleys. Uh, the but then and I'm and you're going to have to remind me I think because we in the scene where where uh, Elton is in is in the uh, the office with Stephen Graham uh, and saying no I just came up with that just now we had a whole medley we did so many different songs in that in that uh, sequence and I can't remember whether a bit of candle in the wind sneaks in, it, in yeah that us. I think that was the first little Very tune little. that he plays he's like oh I just made that up yeah excellent excellent yes yeah yeah, yeah. so in that case no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it made it in it's good. <laughs> I know there was I mean I'm I've been such a huge fan of Elton's my entire mm -hmm. life um and so there were like a few songs like my my all-time favorite Elton John song is Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's and like I understand why that would be hard to kind of shoehorn into a movie like this but at the same time it's so beautiful and uh, so mm -hmm. emotional and I just like would love to see some sort of imagining of it on the screen <laughs> I was lucky. I my need, favorite song got I would, faded in. <laughs> I would need him to keep me honest on this, but as I recall, that was one of the songs that that Jamie Bell would have constantly on in his trailer all all day long. So it's <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it was very, uh, very, very um uh uh just just you know absolutely in in love with the music across the board and and uh was was so such such a you know an incredible kind of study of bernie you know to, to to really like the the significance of the interplay between those two obviously in terms of in reality elton and bernie uh but also you know the way that that jamie supported taron and gave him everything everything he needed in that in that bounce off that that was a way that kind of weirdly like they they took that relationship and then owned that relationship for themselves you know it was it was a it, it was yeah. kind of in terms of the, the true fantasy element of the of the movie then at the same time that that was kind of a true fantasy new version of the relationship between you know between those two so um yeah but yeah so yeah jamie's trailer was uh was rocking all day long with the 
<laughs> certainly that one and I can't remember whether that was the one that was on permanently but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing I'm, oh, I that's love funny. JB Bell so much <laughs> <laughs> likewise yes <laughs> kind of steering off of Rocket Man a little bit do you have a favorite project that you've ever worked on uh, movie wise uh, or I, any project no that sounds like a trap <laughs> we can take Rocket Man off the table as like okay yes, obviously Rocket, Rocket Man is number one <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll assume for the purposes of this broadcast. That, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, the the diplomatic answer is is no. Um, <laughs> or maybe just like a fun moment that you like were like, oh, that was a cool project to work of on. Of course, yeah, yeah. So, so to to speak sincerely, then then there are there are elements of each that that were transformative for me at, at various points. Mm -hmm. So, it, in particular, it goes back to to what I now uh, fondly refer to as the big three, right? So the so Rocket Man was my first foray into this particular area of film work. Uh, I'd had some songs in films previously in in past lives, but not but not uh, gone through the full process on set, working with the cast, all you know, etc. So Rocket Man always has that special place because that was the that was the first one off the blocks, and it was you know just a a hugely immersive experience that that didn't let up and was all the more glorious. <laughs> for it uh you know it could have been just come in and, and do you know two singing lessons and two piano lessons and uh, thank you very much mm -hmm. goodbye you know so, <laughs> so the fact it just it ran away with itself beautifully um was was glorious so that always has the uh yeah uh, the number one spot chronologically and uh you know <laughs> breakthrough wise for me in this regard the 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 second one was death on the nile with kenneth branner uh, which represented both my my first uh, feature film with my agents who came on board after Rocketman, uh, Airy Dell, in London and LA. Uh, so it was working with the incredible Maggie Rodford, who, who heads up Airy Dell, uh, as she was music supervisor and I was on-set music director and cast coach for that. Uh, enormously in awe of Kenneth Branagh and uh, learned so much from him, uh, shadowing him, as it were in the in the director chair, you know, not that not that he was uh, <laughs> not that he was aware of that in the first instance, <laughs> but uh, intensely watching everything he did. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, that was glorious. And then as a result of that, COVID obviously hits in March 2020. Uh, the first film, therefore, that I was back on set for was August 2020, which was Belfast. Mm which was a return again a to, to Kenneth Branagh. So as a result of our work on mm -hmm. Death on the Nile, then he brought me back for that. Um, and that was really quite incredible because the because of the nature of COVID and, and size of crew and everything else, then then uh, I was essentially the, 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 the one-person music department, as it were, <laughs> and you know, very, very much a skeleton crew in, the, in that sense in order to, to bring it to fruition under the COVID situation. You know, multiple tests per day, all going around in masks, singing, singing loudly through masks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, gosh. So, um, yeah, so, so that, that was that was really special because it it was that first, it was that first moment back, the first time where it felt like it was going to be possible to make movies again, and and uh, you know, and and just a, a, such such beautiful human beings in the cast: uh, Katrina Balfe and Jamie Dornan and, and uh, uh, Judy Dench and Kieran Hines, and you know, just absolutely a beautiful experience. And the legend that is Jude Hill, who is. Now taking off, who of course played the uh, the proverbial young Ken in that. So, yes. uh, so that that was magical yeah, for all of those movie. reasons. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll I'll stop at the big three for a moment, but happy to discuss the other the other twenty as a <laughs> <laughs> Those are three big ones. Those are yeah. 
And then, so I was snooping on your IMDb page, and I noticed that you're also involved in the upcoming uh, Citadel show. Yes. yes. How, how involved are you in that, and what is uh, what's going on with that show? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> is that so, working with Richard Madden again at all? Uh, Unfortunately, we, we came close to doing that. Um, I, we came close to being on set the same the same day, but then it it didn't work out in terms of the. Uh, oh no! Uh, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so I think that in the I think as I understand it from uh, the inevitable NDAs and otherwise, that what I can say at the moment is I was uh, vocal coach for Ashley Cummings for that, um, and uh, and I did some vocal producing elements in the uh, uh, around some of the soundtrack. All right. Yeah, that's a that's still a bit more of a closed book. Other than that, at <laughs> right? Present. I was like, let me do a quick peek and see when it's coming out. I think they've announced a date now, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometime in the future. Absolutely. So April twenty eighth. That's when that oh, premieres. So that we're on the verge, <laughs> and then all will be revealed. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll know more soon. Give you the comedy of the situation. It's over the years. It's become easier to not say anything than <laughs> than I'm to rem- sure. <laughs> remember what I can and can't say. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like all amazing. the Marvel actors that have to uh, be very careful what they say about the Marvel movies. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, they just say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Safer that way. Thank you yeah. for asking it. Yeah, thank you for asking it. <laughs> <laughs> I. Before we uh, go, I wanted to bring up your your podcast that you did because I just, you know, I love it. And um, and I'm wondering, it was just so cool. Like the production was really cool. And, and I'm just wondering if there's maybe a, a possible resurgence of your uh, noise cast coming back. Oh, you're, you're very kind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whilst it began just as an audio thing, uh, just before uh, COVID hit, it swiftly kind of became a reaction to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. To give all the, you know, as I say, 15 years in London at that point, I worked with so many musicians and the, the industry was struggling so much, then it was just a way of featuring people and having links underneath to get people, you know, buying uh, albums and things again and tracks, singles rather than, you know, rather than just streaming. And, uh, you know, so it, it, it sort of began like that and quickly turned into that as a, as a response to the times. So, uh, and when, when I then shifted it to kind of video production which of course uh, you were featured in one of the early ones of that uh, <laughs> and, I, and then I got a new studio set up and uh, got even more carried away with production then then it was turning into a full-time job <laughs> That's, uh, um, but with yeah but also the world the world was changing the world was opening back up again and and so it's kind of you know it seemed to me that it's it's a uh, it's time had uh, had been and gone as it were um I, I i i do get involved as as kind of behind the scenes podcast producer for some other people uh in the mix of things um and i have a a new new band and um, music project uh in the works at the moment so um right. I, I was tempted to kind of do a a podcast around that so i might still do a little something uh around that but um but yeah at the moment outside of uh, ongoing film things then uh it's the it's the new band and and uh, writing and singing for that and uh, and and a move into a, a return for me to some acting and to writing some screenplays. So that's the uh, oh. that's kind of where where the mix is. That's at. awesome. So. Right. Well, we'll have to stay uh, busy. We'll have to keep up with you and and follow your future projects also. Um, uh, but we yeah, definitely really appreciate you coming on and talking. Yeah, it's been really cool. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, both. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Honored yeah. to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you, awesome. Michael. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Have a Take great day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
That was so cool. So fun. I I absolutely loved what he talked about with like specifically the your song and <sighs> Rocket Man scenes. Or not rocket, I, sorry, I crocodile kept, rock. Yeah, I kept forgetting that we needed to like interact and we were interviewing him because I was <laughs> listening to him so much that I forgot that I needed to ask questions or follow up. Right. So that's probably why I was really quiet during that interview. I felt like I was very quiet because I was very interested in what he was saying. <laughs> Just say more stuff, Michael. Say more Plus stuff. Plus his accent was really awesome. I love an accent. <laughs> he has a good accent. Yes. So. It's our turn now. So Rocket Man, I guess we kind of gave a brief description about what the movie is about. Rocket Man is a 2019 biographical fantasy musical drama film based on the life and career of British British musician Elton John. The film tells the story of John in his early days in England as a prodigy at the Royal Academy of Music through his musical partnership with Bernie Taupin told through his music and is titled after his 1972 song Rocket Man. There it is. There That's it is. what the movie's about. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> so, first of all, I I really love that it wasn't just like a straight up biopic. Yeah. Or biopic. Like a traditional. <laughs> How do you say biopic? <laughs> Bi- biopic. Isn't it is it biopic? Because I've heard I've heard it biopic. I think biopic makes more sense, though. I think it's biopic. That's how I say it. I think, yeah, I think that's probably right. A biography movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's bio picture. (laughs) Biopic. But I love that it it wasn't just a straight up retelling of his life. You know, like they put a lot of fantastical elements into it Mm -hmm. and they incorporated the music into the movie in a lot of really creative ways. And I feel like the fantasy was needed for someone like Elton John. Yeah. Like, he has a very fantastical character. story without being fantastical. Yes. Yeah. Especially that era of his life. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was wild and it was Mm -hmm. colorful and it was, it was perfect. It really fit who Elton John is and was then. So I guess with that, I wanted to talk about maybe some like, inaccuracies that a lot of people uh, have found in like the storytelling element. Mm. I don't want to focus too much on it just because like it is a fantasy. It's a fantasy and that's what they were going for. They weren't going for being specifically right. Like time accurate documentary. It wasn't a documentary. Exactly. There, there are plenty of Elton John documentaries that you can watch or read his book if you want. And I, I highly encourage you to read his book regardless if you want yeah. it accurate or not because it was amazing. It really is. Reading it, the, listen to the, it. Yes, yeah. the audiobook version yes. read by Elton John and Taryn Edgerton. I wish it was longer. <laughs> yeah. Where's the sequel to the book? We need a sequel to the book. We need a sequel to the movie. Because yes. <laughs> the book also – well, the book kind of – the last – the re-release of the book has more current stuff in it. Yes. But, but it, it's it's crazy because it kind of stops. Yeah, and his story is not over. You know, he's still on his tour. like farewell tour, mm-hmm. and like Amazing. he has plans for after this farewell tour mm-hmm. for other things. He's still very current. Yes, he's very active in the music industry even today. Like, he still has songs on the top charts. Yeah, like, current all the time. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's putting out bangers left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Ever I since get, 1970. <laughs> I get cold-hearted <laughs> stuck in my head all the time. Right? <laughs> Oh, inaccuracies. Yeah, yes, yes. So there were some things that they took and just made even more fantastical. Mm -hmm. Like how Elton John chose his name. (laughs) You know, he went by Reggie Dwight when he was a kid. And then when he wanted to change his stage name to something more, something that would grab people more. Not Reginald Dwight. (laughs) Not Reginald Dwight. So he changed it to Elton John. And he... Believe it or not, did not choose the name John because of a picture of John Lennon in Dick James's office. Although that is a cool story. <laughs> that but would be cool. The Beatles, yeah, the Beatles were around at that point. They were. They were and like d- who they were at that point. They were, yes. Which, that's another thing. Like the Beatles, when Elton John got really popular, the Beatles, I think it was, I think John Lennon. Mm-hmm said something about how elton john is the biggest thing since us yeah meaning the beatles (laughs) (laughs) yeah because elton and john lennon are were really close they were friends yeah Yeah, is in the book a lot yeah so he he actually chose the name john because of a man named long john baldry who was big in the music industry and he started bluesology Mm -hmm. which was the band that elton john played keyboard for in the 60s and the song someone saved my life tonight is actually written about long john baldry Mm -hmm. because of things that happened in elton john's life early on he was engaged to a woman at the time and just went into like a depression and basically john baldry with bernie toppin's help also kind of talked him into calling off the wedding and getting some help (laughs) Like, you're depressed because you're not in love with this woman because you are gay. Right. Um, And they helped him figure that out. And so then the song Someone Save My Life Tonight came around, um, which Barney Toppin wrote based on that. Great song. It's a fantastic song. Oh, my goodness. Not in the movie. I wish that song. Yeah, I wish it was in the movie. Not John Lennon. Long John Baldry. Yes. (laughs) But still makes a cool story for the movie. Yeah, exactly. And I think, too, probably everyone knows John Lennon. Yeah, it's a very... It would be... It's an easy, recognizable... Yeah, and that moment in the movie is very cool. And, like, John Lennon's face is, like, lit up and the music swells. He's like, (laughs) yes, John. As if John is the most, like, fantastical creative name he could have come up with. It's kind of like uh, when uh, Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire, when they're trying to come, he's trying to come up with the Mrs. Doubtfire name. And it's, like, newspaper headlines. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it's in so many movies. When they do that, they just grab random names. Yeah, they just look around and find something. (laughs) And. Dick James, who uh, is played by Stephen Graham, who's amazing, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing British actor. He, I don't know if he discovered the Beatles, but he definitely was not was a producer for the Beatles at one point too. And so it, it makes sense that he would have like a poster or a picture of the Beatles in his office. Yeah. And that Elton John would see that. 
so it, there are like true connections to things like that right. but the real details <laughs> the devil details of the thing <laughs> that's what we're here for right and then and then it you know when your song happens in the movie mm-hmm. and dick james says best thing i've heard since let it be like <laughs> it's, there's a lot of beatles like real yes. beatles connections and uh giles martin who produced all the music is actually connected to uh the right. beatles like yeah like his father was the like the sixth beetle i think it's his father was a producer for the beatles yeah so george martin was a producer and he is referred to as the fifth beetle a yeah. lot of times fifth beetle so, not six <laughs> not not six there's only four, four. So. i'm thinking the instinct. <laughs> <laughs> He's the sixth NSYNC member and the fifth Beatle. <laughs> no, and then, yeah, so his son, I should Giles know that. Martin. I did a whole report on comparing the Beatles to NSYNC when I was in college. I should <laughs> you know that. did? <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. It was how boy bands have been around since the Beatles. Yeah. And the similarities between the Beatles and NSYNC, even though they're decades apart. Yeah. Interesting. That's a pretty cool speech. <laughs> Um, speaking of Giles Martin, he actually has a little cameo in Rocket mm-hmm. Man, um, which is very fun in the Your Song scene, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, just a huge pivotal scene in the it's movie in general. We'll probably talk about it a lot, mm-hmm. like we already did with with Michael. Yes, <laughs> that was such a good scene, though. Yeah, Giles Martin plays a music producer. Mm-hmm. He plays it very well. It's almost it's, like he, he does, does it in real life. <laughs> it's amazing how they do that. Right. <laughs> I do wish Elton would have made an appearance as some like random person. That would have been funny. I think it would take away from it yeah. a little bit though. But maybe like David could have played somebody. Yeah. I mean he could have played himself, but <laughs> but it would have been funny. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Like if if I I think it's funny when like either the author of the book when they redo the movie or or like turn it into a movie or the actual person makes an appearance and not yeah. like a main character, not with like even speaking, but just like yeah, even just in the, background, in the background, like a little Easter egg. Yeah. Let's just put Elton in like the cafe or something when Bernie and Elton were first meeting. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> oh, that moment. <laughs> <laughs> My heart just like <laughs> swells at like every moment in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing. You think of one, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that movie. That part like, was good. Oh, that part. I love it so much. I love this movie more than anything ever. It's a problem. (laughs) It's an addiction. (laughs) Some other little random things that the movie maybe changed. Um, Elton John actually has four half siblings. Mm -hmm. So there's only two depicted in the movie, but there's, he actually has four. I think they're all brothers. I think he has four half brothers. That sounds right. But you only see the two. And obviously the the timeline of the music in the movie is a little off because they wanted to put specific songs at specific moments. So like Elton John didn't actually sing Crocodile Rock at the Troubadour because mm-hmm. that song didn't come no, out yeah. until a couple years later. <laughs> but in actuality, believe it or not, he did not float up in the air playing Crocodile Rock and come down and slam his he hands didn't? down. <laughs> that didn't really happen, weirdly enough. 
So <laughs> moments like that in the movie make me wonder why people are, are upset about like little inaccuracies like right. that, though. Like, you, <laughs> of course, Elton John didn't like fly up in the air like a rocket right. and crash into his plane. <laughs> like, no, that didn't, didn't actually happen. Smoke. Right. <laughs> they put smoke. They pumped smoke into his hair. Yeah. <laughs> to make it like puff out in that moment. Oh man. <laughs> or like the crowd didn't levitate at all. Yeah. Weird, but, right? But when you're in I mean, I love going to live music shows, but when you're experiencing a a performance that that's depicting, you feel sometimes like you're just like yeah. floating on air. And so right, that you're feeling kind of is in your transported brain, transported into another world. Yeah. So, and like it makes sense. It's not realistic, but it, the feeling is. Yeah. Like I'm not actually flying, and I've seen Elton live, and you do feel yeah, like you're too. being lifted. Yeah, you do. It's it's magic. Especially during Crocodile Rock. <laughs> yeah, right. The whole crowd is singing the na na na. Yeah. And it's it's so good. It's yeah. so good. So I, I understand it. As far as that scene goes, you know, at the before he goes on stage and he's like freaking out. nervous. And Bernie like goes in there mm-hmm. and he says, like, all the people who are out waiting for him mm-hmm. in the crowd and he's talking about neil diamond uh, what does he say uh half the fucking beach boys yeah <laughs> ready, ready, ready. neil diamond is at the bar he's talking to leon russell and half the fucking beach boys huh she's just shit bernie benji elton i think you're overreacting no bernie you are underreacting. <laughs> so that's true. Yes. Like, there were half the Beach Boys were there at the Troubadour for his first little tour there. Yes. Neil Diamond was there. The Beach Boys were there. I think Linda Ronstadt was one of them. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of a lot of big names in the crowd because the Troubadour just kind of drew people in like yeah. that. And, uh, and still kind of does. Like, oh, yeah. I mean. Big name people still perform at the Troubadour. Yeah, definitely. When I was in LA, I went there and just like took pictures, and <laughs> it's not—it's not where they filmed it, but no. it's—it's it's the real, the real yeah. troubadour. I don't know that I've ever. I think I've just driven by it. I don't think I've ever like stopped and looked at it. There was a cool little flower shop next to it too that I really wanted to explore more. Um, but I was with my sister, and she's like, "Let's not look at plants. Let's go." <laughs> but in LA, it's hard to just like stop for things too, right? Especially because like you, you have to parking. pay for parking. Yeah, you have yeah. to find a parking spot or garage or something yeah that was that was the hardest part was like driving Mm -hmm. and parking in la yeah it was worth it though i was like i'll pay whatever we need to park i need to (laughs) i need to see these places i need to do the touristy thing oh yeah you have to do it when you're in la (laughs) so speaking on uh things that are true about the movie everything else is true (laughs) no um the the basic timeline of events is fairly true just may not the songs may not correlate to the timing yeah absolutely obviously like he didn't sing crocodile rock during that performance but he did that at that time in his life yeah like the chronological events were true exactly yeah the major ones at least and you know he yeah he did 
he grew up in Pinner with mm-hmm. his mom and his grandmother and mm-hmm. everything. Like that was all true. Mm-hmm. How he met Bernie was true. Yeah. And that's the fun thing about this movie is like Elton John's life really was fantastical like that. Mm-hmm. Like the way that he was paired up with Bernie was seemingly Fate. random. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like he was handed some of his lyrics mm-hmm. and was like, oh, okay. And then they're connected and they've been best friends ever since and mm-hmm. they've been writing partners for 50 plus years. Can you imagine like being successful for that long? To write songs, like the two of them, like between lyrics and music for that long and such original chart toppers. <laughs> yeah. And still, yeah, still to and this still, day, it's wild. They're still writing together. They are. Which is crazy. And they, they won an Oscar together yeah. for best original song Which for Rocket Man. Crazy that that was like their first, right? That was like their first award together. Yeah, because Elton won um, an Oscar for uh, Lion, King. Lion King for "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," but that was Bernie, with yeah. Tim Rice. Tim Rice, yeah. And so, but I don't think I mean Elton obviously has won like Grammys and stuff, but yeah, but they it was their first Oscar. Yeah, which is crazy because they have so many songs and movies. They do. And speaking hmm. of Oscars, we're gonna talk about that <laughs> how that was the only nomination that rocket man had for the oscars that year I, I have arguments at work about this i have to pull myself <laughs> in because people will mention something and i'll go off on a tangent and they look at me first of all take away the acting oscars that should have been given <laughs> the nominations at least a nomination yeah costumes costumes how do you not nominate the person incredible elton john costumes for the movie because they're like they're all they're not like like real elton john costumes the only one that's similar was the dodger one right otherwise it's like elton john inspired right like how do you not even if the only costume in that movie was the orange devil right how does that not get nominated (laughs) i want that costume i want to wear it like the the (laughs) chicken one the multicolored chicken thing the, yes the big yes. the biggest headdress known to man yes i mean and the wizard of oz one like the thought process behind the goodbye yellow brick road one like yeah how do you how it's how? A, it's amazing and you know how much effort and, and money and yes design like the design and the thought yeah. process behind that so costumes alone should have gotten a nomination. <laughs> Not to mention hair and makeup. Makeup. Um, cinematography. Director. Musical picture. direction. Yeah. Like, just list all of the categories for movies and yep. they should have gotten it. At least a handful. I mean, supporting actors. Maybe not one because there were some great movies that year that won. And I'm not saying like Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, I think, won that year. Yeah. He's brilliant. An amazing But not actor. even a nomination. Right? <laughs> like, people I feel like get nominated for way less. Yeah. It and was it was a tough competitive year. It was. And I really, truly believe if Bohemian Rhapsody hadn't come out and won the year before, Rocky Man would have swept. Yeah. But I know the Oscar voting people tend to try to variety so they don't do the same movies over and over and over again 
Right. Because there are a lot of similar movies that are brilliant and don't get nominated. And I do know if, say, an actor doesn't get nominated or win for something that's brilliant, sometimes their next big movie may not be as brilliant, but they still get the nomination or win. Yeah. I mean, look at Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) He didn't win his first Oscar until what, like a few years ago? 20, like 18, 2017. Yeah. And this man has been in like brilliant major pictures like movie after movie after movie like what's eating gilbert grape titanic yeah incredible Uh, yeah you can just list all of his movies because shutter island yeah dennis lane yeah (laughs) another Um, connection (laughs) what's the one that he just did with he didn't just do it uh with kate winslet besides titanic uh revolutionary road oh yeah there's so many that he's done and he didn't win it until until then yeah if we I can was... talk about Leonardo DiCaprio movies <laughs> in the future. Topic. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, now I'm thinking of all of his movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Taron should have won- gotten nominated. 100%. Richard Madden should have been nominated. Yes. Jamie should have been nominated. Jamie freaking Bell, you guys. Which, can I just say how <laughs> how happy I was to hear that <laughs> it's just a little brag that Jamie Bell and I have the same favorite Elton John song. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, I was I was very normal about my reaction to that uh, news. You did <laughs> pretty cool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was a little squeaky. <laughs> he really is that true? Your face. Uh, you, people can't couldn't see it, but their face was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god, like how cool. So for the uh, Rocketman sequel, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatters has to be in it, yes. and. Uh, specifically I, just for me and for jamie bell well yes and i want can you feel the love tonight yes it would have to be i mean because a sequel to rocket man would have to include the lion king era well, yeah it has to i mean elton john's oscar so yeah. and that's one of my favorite <laughs> elton john songs modern elton john songs because that was like my childhood song right yeah exactly i remember it's so beautiful sitting with a walkman with my lion king cd in the car <laughs> listening to those songs over and over and over and over again so that's my it's childhood. the power the power of elton john yes but yes it was robbed it was robbed <laughs> like seriously like i can't wait for some of them to do another movie that gets nominated just yeah. so that they can be vindicated for real I think I think Jamie Bell's moment might be coming when he eventually does the Fred Astaire oh, yeah. um, movie that's in the works right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's I'm already starting awards buzz over that yeah. just myself. <laughs> <laughs> I I was hoping. Well, I think Taryn's vindication, not for Oscars, obviously, but all of his other nominations so far have been f- for Blackbird. Mm hmm because i think he's going to get an emmy nomination i don't know that he'll win depending who he's up against but yeah because there's been some good ones in his category but yeah very yeah this year has been really big for Mm -hmm. like limited series the only thing that may help in the emmys is some of the shows would have been nominated this past year so we'll see this is true and blackbird kind of started the award season Mm -hmm. because it came out right as i think the cutoff was happening yeah. So anything so that came that out came a before. little bit before would have been nominated for um, the Emmys already. Yeah. We'll see. We'll find that out this summer. Because I think the Emmys are in 
September? I believe you. <laughs> like, I don't remember. I think Emmys are September. It's Globes in January usually, SAGs, BAFTAs, Oscars. Yeah. I used to be really into it. Like, I would know everything. <laughs> Fallen a little bit. Yeah, you're right. September. Mm-hmm. So nominations are probably in July. In August. Yeah, July and August. Yeah. So we'll see. But I think that's going to be his vindication for at least some of the nominations. Maybe not an Oscar. So deviating from Rocket Man for just a second, we should talk about our buddy, our pal, our friend, Paul Walter Hauser. Yes. His award streak that he <sighs> has going on. He has yep. been winning them. He got that Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. He got the AARP. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? That, was a, that was a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> Very unexpected. Yeah. Random. He he didn't get the SAG. No. But he got the Critics' Choice Award. Yes, which well-deserved. Yeah. So congratulations. And I hate that they put him <laughs> and Taryn up against each other in for the SAG Award. Yeah. They like, totally split the vote. Yeah. Like, like, I get it, but ugh, come but on. But also, like, if, say, one of them won, do you feel bad that you lost, but happy that your friend won? Yeah. But I think it's it's a win for the show. So yeah. I think if one of them had won. and I, But I, selfishly, I love Paul. He was brilliant in yeah. Blackbird, obviously. Um, he would have won if either of them, out of the two of them, Paul would have won. Yeah. Because he just transformed so much. Yeah, he killed it. But yeah. Yeah, he's been doing great. And he just got a new movie show. Movie. With Matt Damon. Oh yeah. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Yeah, it's a Apple TV. Apple TV's just snatching them up. The uh the instigators. Yes, yes. So that's on our radar. Yes. <laughs> all all of our friends' projects are on our radar. <laughs> uh we could maybe talk about that at the end of the episode too. Like what what we're What's looking coming? out for for yes. future episodes. So do you have a favorite moment of the show or the movie? Of Rocket Man? Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. It's so hard. It is. Like this l- movie is literally my all-time favorite movie, my comfort movie that mm-hmm. I can just turn on and go to and enjoy. Okay, let me let me let me have a couple moments. <laughs> I have have at least two that I can think of right now. Well, because, you know, I really like, because of what I know about the scene, the moment (laughs) where Elton's mom and grandmother come and visit him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right before that, there's this whole moment with him and John Reed. Mm -hmm. And it's like dramatic. And then his his mom shows up and it's like, oh, my gosh. And he... His mom is trying to get him to like be a good host, and like his neighbors are also there from yes. his childhood neighbors. But when uh, the when Bryce Dallas Howard, who plays his mom, is like starts playing with his hair, and then like Elton slaps yes. his, her hand away, which is totally like not, it wasn't a scripted moment yeah. or anything. It just it just happened. And then when uh, when she's like, "Oh, you have to give them a tour," mm-hmm. then he starts walking away, and his his robe gets stuck, yeah. and he's like, "Mom, you're on my gown." <laughs> she says, "Don't be rude." Like yeah. that whole part was not a part of the script, but it just they were in character, and they just yeah. kept it all in. It's that was good, yeah. That's a good. So one. That's a very a fun little moment. But I do, I get, 
I get chills every time I watch, which is crazy because I've watched this movie like probably hundreds and hundreds of times. But I get chills whenever like that moment that Ray is handing Elton the lyrics from mm. like just the envelope with Bernie Toppin's lyrics yes. in it. And, you know, like the, the music is just like this grand chord and mm-hmm. then it goes straight into them meeting at this cafe and I'm like oh my god and then I know like oh Jamie Bell's about to show up <laughs> <laughs> it's a very it's a very exciting moment and it's a turning point in their lives yeah just depicted so well that's a good one yeah and and just oh I love it I love this movie I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> my favorite my favorite favorite well I don't even know that I could say favorite favorite because again, I, I like so many, but I love the way your song is one of my favorite songs of Elton's. Yeah. Uh, has always been. But just Gosh, the simplicity. I really love what Michael told us about the making of that oh, scene. That was, I, that was another thing where I just kind of like stared and listened. The Just the simplicity of that scene, but the magnitude of it was just so... Oh, yeah, that one was just... I like that it was very simple. Like there was no flashiness. There was no nothing. Yeah. It was just very. From real. the house to the mm-hmm. recording studio. Yeah. It just like it was, it was simple very real and, and wholesome. Tender and wholesome. And then my other one is the a Tiny Dancer is one of my favorite songs. It's always mm. been. And that's whole scene of like the way it was shot and. You could just kind of like feel that, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but kind of like his loneliness throughout that yeah. scene where he's just kind of by himself. Um, it doesn't really fit in to that crowd as much, um, but just that whole, that whole like song sequence walking through everything. It's just very, yeah. I, that one's a good one. You know what I love about the Tiny Dancer scene is that that song was written about that specific time mm-hmm. in Elton and Bernie's life, too. Yeah. So and like, you know, Bernie's talked about how that song is like the vibe of mm-hmm. their time in L.A. and them first going there and these parties that they went mm-hmm. to and, and everything. It, it's uh, that's what it's about. And mm-hmm. like how Bernie Toppin met his first wife that mm-hmm. way. And <laughs> that's yeah. literally what you know what it shows in the movie in in the movie they uh, they show it as like his current wife but (laughs) a few times yeah (laughs) that's but that is that's how he met his first wife is at like and and that's what that song is about Mm -hmm. so it's really cool how they just made that easy connection Mm -hmm. i but it just got such a good i I mean that song is just a beautiful song i love it yeah um and then there's a scene it's towards the end it's one of his last, like it's right before he goes into the rehab center um, when he's looking in the mirror and he like tries to smile. Mm-hmm. That should have won a, an Oscar right there. <laughs> Just that moment. Um, but that scene was really, I, and there's just so many. <laughs> right. I know. This whole movie. It's so good. The pinball wizard part. That's a good one. Where the piano's spinning around yes. and his costumes are changing and it's like mm-hmm. all of these and different. Those like kind of iconic Elton costumes. Yeah. You can like relate to some of his costumes. Yeah. Honky cat. Oh my gosh. Okay. 
can we also just very briefly talk about the deleted and extend, yeah. extended scenes that were not included in the movie? Because you, they're on the DVD mm-hmm. if, if you need to. They're also, I think a lot of them are on YouTube if I'm you want to sure, watch yeah. the deleted scenes from Rocketman. The honky cat scene was incredible. There was so much, like, the, the dance number. Mm-hmm. I mean, Taron Edgerton, I love him to death. Not a dancer. No. But they made He's him a, a dancer. He's not in that way. <laughs> No, but they made him a dancer for this scene. Him yes. and Richard Madden doing these dances, and like they have this huge group of you know these like dancers on this like tiered stage, mm-hmm. and it's this huge spectacle. And then they're just they just cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, that whole opening, and it's not yeah. an opening scene, but it's one of the beginning scenes where when they transition. First- from yeah yeah to teenage we, we didn't even talk about like kit connor no, like who's <laughs> having a, a great career right now he is and like rocket man is uh like i mean it's first? not where he started because no, he was it's... also in uh that the his dark materials movie yeah before that and he did some other stuff but he was so good and he mm-hmm. has a precious little singing voice mm-hmm. he was so little <laughs> now he's he, grown up i know now he's he's 19 he's That's a 19 year old adult human person and he was so little and you, you don't think about it that it was that long ago but they filmed it five years ago yeah he was young Almost, yeah like six years ago yeah so they filmed it in 2018 yeah early 2018 so he was young and he was so talented like Mm -hmm. i don't know what they did to connect taryn and Mm -hmm. kit so well but they like you can tell that they're playing the same character and they're doing it so well and they have similar mannerisms and there's even there's another deleted scene where elton is taryn edgerton as Reggie mm-hmm. is at the Royal Academy of Music still, you know, mm-hmm. a, you know, a few years later after he gets into it and he's got the same like combed hairstyle mm-hmm. that Kit had and <laughs> he's got the same glasses and he's like, you know, doing the same things and acting yeah, they, the same way. They did a good job. I don't know if they like spent time together like mimicking each other or just that's because or they they're brilliant actors with a great director. direction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it it was believable. Yeah. Like they played the same character; they were the same person. Mm-hmm. I love when actors that play younger versions, like they they clearly studied each yeah. other and did. Like there's a connection there because mm-hmm. it makes it more believable too. Another person that should have been nominated, right? I know he's not in it very much to probably qualify, but he did a great job. He he really did, and he is he's definitely someone to watch for in the future oh, yeah. i mean oh, and yeah. now he's Current, killing yeah. it in heartstopper mm-hmm. uh so good the whole world's in love with him from yes. that so as they should be bryce dallas howard was for not being british <laughs> for not being british so, so apparently i think i heard in an interview uh i've watched so many rocket mm-hmm. <laughs> related interviews uh in the past few years but um she sort of kept her british accent mm-hmm. even off camera so that she could just you know stay in it while she is playing this uh this role as elton john's yeah. mother it's probably easier to stay in it with everyone else having one yeah but it wasn't like other people were coming in and out of accents yeah i would find that harder because i i mimic people 
Mm-hmm. In fact, I have to really watch when I'm speaking with somebody with an accent. <laughs> like, Kristen, to- why are you Welsh all of a sudden? Well, it happens. <laughs> you know. It, it's it's bad. I have to really watch myself. So I would imagine it's probably easier as an actor to stay in it when other people are already speaking that way. Yeah. Because you wouldn't know she's not British. Yeah. she Yeah, she did an excellent job. Um, who else? Charlie Rowe as Ray mm-hmm. was one of my Ray. favorites. Ugh. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so many. Yeah. If we're going to talk about devil details for another second, though, <laughs> speaking of Charlie Rowe. <laughs> Your very expensive painting is upside down. It's fantastic. It's the, the line delivery is beautiful. My problem is that painting, which you see in the scene before during Honky Cat, where Elton purchases this painting, right? Mm-hmm. That happens right, right before this moment. And then um, you cut to it hanging up in this office. So when he purchases it, it's at, it's at one angle. And then when it's hanging in the office, it's tilted. It's a, it's a 90 degree rotation. So when Ray says that the painting is upside down, was it... Is it actually upside down or is it sideways? One of the mysteries we'll never know. We'll never know. I know. It's like Karen's hair. Because I've, I've, I've legitimately tried to research this. And apparently this painting was created just specifically for the movie. It's mm-hmm. not a real painting. So, or I mean, it's a real painting, but it was it was made for the film. It wasn't like it's not it like a famous a studio somewhere now. Yeah. So there's probably not an actual answer to it. Mm-hmm. But it drives me crazy because it's not upside down compared to how he purchased it. Right. So either when he purchased it, it was at a, a 90 degree rotation already. And then they flipped it upside down to hang it up. Or Ray was being overly sassy and he didn't want to say your painting is sideways. <laughs> so he said it was upside down. <laughs> One of life's mysteries. It's it, it it has bugged me for a long time, and I don't think it'll ever stop bugging me. <laughs> Every time I watch the movie, I'm gonna maybe be... we'll find out the answer from a guest. Maybe we'll have to talk to some more people about this. Yeah. <laughs> I need hair. <laughs> we need to know. Oh my god, Taryn's hair! We we didn't even talk very much about his hair in this movie. No, it went through uh, a, a whole journey. Journey. <laughs> yeah, it did, and all well, it's not all his hair. Right. So there there actually has been a lot of explanation about his hair in this movie. Yes. Uh, we don't really need to. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not as mysterious as Blackbird, but it is amazing, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it started out as just like, you know, Normal. similar to how Kit Connor's hair was at the beginning. And, and then it went on and then it kind of showed the process of Elton losing his hair mm-hmm. as he got older. And then he towards the end of the movie is is balding. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing for the sequel is that <laughs> Elton started wearing wigs, mm-hmm. but not until after the events of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole scene that could be in yeah, the sequel. Trying on wigs. Trying There's on so, wigs. so much material for a sequel. There is. We have to, we have to start campaigning for this, I feel yes. like. Much like our season two of Blackbird. <laughs> We're going to have sequels for all of our movies that we talk about on this we already have one. podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're going to come up with sequel ideas. That'll be um, a segment on the show. <laughs> What's the sequel? Him meeting David. Yes. That, that, I mean, that in the book was a huge... Right? Please. I would. You know what I want to see on screen? I want to see 
the scene, the scene, it's not a scene. It's a real (laughs) thing that happened in real life. But I want it to be a scene where Elton brings David to meet both his mother and Michael Jackson in the same lunch. Can you imagine? (laughs) Alone is odd. Just so wild. Yeah. Like what, what kind of life? That's crazy. (laughs) So we have to cast Michael Jackson. The movie is insane. His book is crazy. The names in the book are just like, what? (laughs) You know all these people? Right. You're like close friends with these huge. Well, we can cast Michael Jackson because I think they just casted him for a movie. See? So there's going to be a Michael Jackson biopic. You throw him in there. You can put Freddie Mercury in here. Bring Rami Malek in here. Rod Stewart, I'm sure we can find somebody to be Rod Stewart. Who's going to play David? That is, who could play David Furnish? This is weird, but I know they're two different people, and I know this. But in my brain, David Furnish and David Burka, Neil Patrick Harris's husband, (laughs) are the same person in my brain. (laughs) Which is so funny because the the two couples are very close friends. (laughs) Yes. I think. They're like godparents to kids or something. I th- and I, they're totally different people. They look totally different. Yeah. But brain, I don't know just why. Just them together somehow. They just, sometimes people just get lumped together and those two, I guess it's the same name. I don't know. Neil Patrick Harris's David is not an actor, so he couldn't play David Furnish. <laughs> no. And they don't look alike, so no, it wouldn't But we work. could cast Neil Patrick Harris and his husband as characters in the sequel as well. Yes, they, they can be in it. I don't know who... Would be a good Justin one. Justin Timberlake? He was rumored he to be. He might be a little bit older. Yeah, he was rumored to uh, play Elton in the movie originally. He was. He was one of the One of the options. Because uh, he did that Elton John music video. Yes. This train don't stop. Yes. Yeah. But for a while around that era, I think he was signed on to do it. Yeah. And then I think he's too old. Same with Tom yeah. Hardy was like mm-hmm. another option. Justin Timberlake in that era, not so much now, looked a lot like young Elton. Yeah. He um, could have done it. Like, if this movie was he, 10 years older than it is, Justin Timberlake could yeah. have done it. Oh, yeah. Because he would have been in his early 30s. Yeah. But Same as younger. Taryn when he made this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but looked a little bit younger. Yeah. He might be too old now to play David. Right. Because Justin's 41. Yeah. David no, he's forty-two, I think. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll have to we'll have but to we, cast this movie. Yeah, <laughs> but we we could have a Princess Diana. Yes, because that oh was a huge gosh. part of the nineties of Elton's life. Yeah, and Candle in the Wind, mm-hmm. which is another one of my favorite songs. Right, both versions. I lo- <laughs> I loved Michael's answer when we asked him about. Uh, what- if his uh his favorite song that didn't make it yeah. in and he's like actually it did <laughs> very, very briefly yeah <laughs> but both versions i like both versions of candle in the wind yes i mean versace you can put like so many people right in the i mean there's so much that happened from 1990 to <laughs> to now to today <laughs> who's gonna you can do two movies <laughs> yes <laughs> two more movies we can have a trilogy the rocket man trilogy yeah we'd have to we'd have to name them different elton songs though huh so yeah. rocket man was a song from the 70s so maybe mm-hmm. the second movie can be named after a song from like the 80s yeah oh, the road to el dorado that's another i mean that's, oh, that's the 90s too but that yeah. whole soundtrack i love or pull like a, a lion king song title can you feel the love tonight is a good one 
Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Imagine a movie called Hakuna Matata, but it's actually about Elton John. <laughs> Don't cry. Did he write Don't Cry for Me, Argentina? No. No. <laughs> Why do I think he... Oh, because Tim Rice did, I think. Yeah, I get that confused. Yeah. No, t- yeah, you're right. Tim Rice, because it's from Evita, right? Mm-hmm. And Tim Rice wrote the lyrics to that yeah. musical. Same same realm. But Elton did the play Billy Elliot. Yes. Right? Oh my gosh. There's a whole meta universe of Billy <laughs> Elliot because yeah. Jamie Bell <laughs> plays. Can you imagine Jamie Bell as Bernie Toppin going to the premiere of <laughs> Billy Elliot the musical <laughs> and meeting like a young version of himself? <laughs> a movie within a movie. Oh, that'd be so wild. Oh yeah! If if you guys didn't know, Jamie Bell played Billy Elliot in the original movie, and then Elton John saw that movie, fell in love with mm-hmm. it. It really touched his heart, and he wrote music for the musical with yes. Lee Hall, who also wrote the script to Rocket Man. It's a whole everything's all connected. Yes, and didn't Elton just do the music for Mean Girls play? I think he's he signed- just did a play. Yeah, I think he signed on. Oh, to Lee, do it. no, not Lee. Devil Wears Prada. That's what he did. Yes. But I don't think it got good reviews. Not the music, the play. I don't think it made it to, to Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so much that you could add into a sequel. Right. Oh, you know who would, who would be good as David, maybe? Andrew Garfield. Oh. I could see that being a thing. But then I feel like because David doesn't really sing that we know of. And he could Neither sing. does Bernie Taupin and Jamie Bell was singing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he would waste... Andrew Garfield's talents. I guess so. He sings. And he's also great. Another person that played a great real in a biopic. Was Andrew Garfield. Yeah. That was a fantastic movie. Yeah. Did Jonathan Larson. Yes. Yeah. He would make a great David. Right around the same age too. Yeah. He's got to be in his 30s. I think so. Like mid 30s. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We've got it. Give us a call. Give us a call. We'll help you. We'll help. We'll sign on as like assistant casting directors or something. We'll just be producers because we've got a lot of opinions. We do. Yeah. And we will help you pitch your movie to the Oscars. Right. So that you get nominated for the second one. Help you with the costumes. We'll just do it all. Yeah, we'll be we'll be consultants across the board. <laughs> Creative consultants. <laughs> that would be a fun job. I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. So anybody out there listening <laughs> knows how we can do that. Let us know. <laughs> um, are there any other details that we should talk about? The devil details. I mean, there's so many great details, like little moments. I know. I have so many like random facts about this movie in my head just from <laughs> interviews. And- yeah, being obsessed with it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think the more you watch it, the more you pick up those little nuances. Yeah, just little moments like the- that make yeah, the movie like even you're better. Saying, like, with her rustling his hair and all that. Yeah. Like just little moments. Because the first couple of times you watch it you're taking it all in yeah but i think and i'm not being biased because of who is in this movie but i think it's one of my favorite biopics yeah because i've seen bohemian rhapsody 
It's good. Which is fine. <laughs> no, it's I great. I love Queen. I loved Queen. I still like Queen. And Freddie Mercury is great. He'll be in the Elton John sequel also. Yes. That, I think that's what a lot of the sequels should be is like all of these, like, you know, like the guy who dropping. plays Elvis and <laughs> just get yes. everyone in here. All those movies. Elton knew them all. Yeah. Because who who played Versace? They're, they did like that American crime, uh, American crime story or whatever it's called with Versace. See, we don't even have to really even cast this movie too much. No. Everyone's already played them. Yeah. Everyone's we might have to narrow down a couple because some people have multiple versions. This is true. There, and like, you know, there's been a couple like Michael Jackson movies and there's been a couple Elvises. Yeah. But I feel like we could figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> we got this. We'll, we'll, we'll get a flow chart going. Someone may have played Elvis 10 years ago. Wouldn't make great Elvis today. Yeah. Because of the era that we would put him in, you know? Yeah. And our, and we're keeping Taryn across the board, right? Even like up 100%. into like 70, Just, I mean, 75 year old him. Elton. Yeah, we can age him. There's makeup. I mean, okay. I just want to make sure we're, we're on not, the same page here. No, we're not going to pull a crown and switch actors. <laughs> it's one of my pet peeves. I get why they did it, but Claire Foy and Matt Smith were great in the first two seasons of The Crown. They could just put makeup on them. Just put makeup on them. There's there's ways. So yeah, we're just putting makeup on Taryn. Yeah. Good. Because, I mean, he's... He's a little bit younger than what Elton was, I think, in that era. But because Elton was probably like in his 40s. Well, I mean, they shaved his head and aged him 10 years just like that. So and he he fit like it works. works. Yeah. He really did play Elton for like a 15, 20 year stint of his life in Rocketman. So it'll just keep it going. Yeah. Just throw some makeup, wigs. We're bringing the same. The same production company back, the same team. Shoot it all like um, what was it? what movie? Harry was it Harry Potter? I don't know. I've never seen Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> I think they filmed like three movies at once because the cast was getting too big. Oh, they had to film. I don't know if that was Harry Potter. They had to film something back to back because the cast was getting too old. If they would have waited, so they filmed like a sequel and a trill like the trilogy. Otherwise, the cast would have been too old in between. Yeah. I don't know what that would be. I know they did it for This Is Us. Oh, the, yeah. The TV show. They had they some of the little kids. They had to film a lot of their stuff like in season two that was going to air in the finale. Right. Because otherwise, the kids would have been way too old. Right. And point. yeah, and that, that show did a lot of like time jumps mm-hmm. back and so forth. There was different age groups of kids, but the littlest one were like, who played the little ones at one point they shot the end in like season three so that they could use it again. Like how I met your mother. Yeah. <laughs> they filmed the ending like in season uh-huh. one. And then that show went on for nine seasons and then they still used that same ending. Yeah. That was a mistake though. I don't like that. I didn't watch the end because it got annoyed me. No, they, they messed it up. They ruined it. It was yeah. not good. No, not at all. We'll have to be careful. But if we just keep the same cast and just age them up. And the same crew. Yes. They know what they're doing. So The same yeah. makeup team. Yeah, same <laughs> costume. Same hair. Everything. Yes. Same cameramen. Like if they make actors sign um, contracts for so many ep- or seasons or right. movies. We'll just lock them in. Lock them in. Jamie Bell's back. 
Richard Madden probably can't come back though. We gotta put Richard Madden somewhere. Maybe maybe Richard plays David. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be good. He'd have to oh. change his look. He he could work. That would be so that would be really funny, actually. It would be. <laughs> TV shows do it all the time where they recast somebody. They do. And pretend you don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I actually really love that idea now. Sorry, okay, Andrew Garfield. That... <laughs> he can be Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. All right, we got it. Rocket Man 2, title yep. incoming, but we've got it cast. We've got we've got the plot. We've got it down. Who's gonna hire us? <laughs> and we I mean we've got ideas for Blackbird season two also. Mm-hmm. So let's But that go. one we have backing with with the star, yeah. Because it's going to be a buddy cop movie yeah. <laughs> or TV show <laughs> with Gary Hall and Jimmy Keen <laughs> solving crimes together. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I think just another random little detail before we sign off on Rocketman. This movie is what got Taryn the role in Blackbird also. Mm-hmm. Dennis Lehane saw him in Rocketman and said, this kid has range. Let's do it. So I'm really glad that... Uh, that, yes. that came about for him because of this movie. There's another Rocketman connection. The whole reason that Taryn has, and Taryn got that Blackbird role was because of Rocketman. Made him more, people know him as Elton. Yes. So like a little more marketable. Because yeah. Because he did such a big movie, an amazing movie. Because yes. while Kingsman was great in his big movies prior, that's a very specific demographic that it watch is. those movies they're not as widely known and there, there's some other movies that we will not name <laughs> that probably didn't help his yeah markability i mean it, you know but, what it's i think we can talk about them because taryn talks about the fact that he is it paid the bills it paid the bills it got he got a lot of money to make these movies in yeah. 2018 and one was much better than the other <laughs> I, I didn't mind Robin Hood. Robin Hood, it's it's fun, and the dynamic so between perfect. him and Jamie Fox was really yes. fun. And they're still friendly. They are, and that's a, that's another episode for another day. We can uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we're we gonna can dive into that one, right? Yeah, we're gonna quit going off on tangents. So <laughs> that's it for Rocket Man. Um, yes. Let's let's talk a little bit quickly about future plans. We don't want to reveal anything. No, but we have ideas for future movies that are coming out. Mm-hmm. We, there's some some movies on our radar that we're looking at doing episodes for that haven't come out yet. And then there's there are movies and shows that are already out or mm-hmm. or are a little older that uh, we want to talk about. So, yes. And they all have some connection to Blackbird, kind of. Yes. We can kind of play six degrees of. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and tie it into Blackbird just because yeah. we we love and appreciate that show so much and and what it did for us. It's how we started. So yeah, we have we have some ideas, we have some plans. Um, if you, the listener, has any more ideas, any suggestions, any mm-hmm. any hookups for guests that are involved in these types of shows or movies. Yes. let us know or any wish list guests yeah get us get us contact information yes. uh, <laughs> uh get us help your us, suggestions us twitter instagram email dm let yeah. us know 
if you want to have share your thoughts on rocket man yeah let us know and um but yeah i think that'll do it for us for this episode yeah sorry taryn edgerton we were we did we ran out of time we uh, we try we tried but you know we talked to michael and he was just so interesting and had a lot of cool things to say so and then we had that rant about not being nominated so we just took a lot of our time maybe next time uh <laughs> thank you guys for listening stay on the line <laughs> stay on the line we'll get to you in a minute <laughs> all <Eventually>. right <laughs> talk to you later 